It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Disappointing loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers in Minnesota on Thursday night. Drama to boot. He is Emmett Golden. I'm Greg Scalzo. This is game day on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance and excited to be joined by Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. He's the host of Daily Shot of Steelers. Uh, and Dan, Following the Steelers' loss Thursday night, a lot of blame being put on Chase Claypool for some mental errors. Where should the arrow of blame be pointed following that loss? Oh, boy. (laughs) Where do you start? I actually liked where Mike Tomlin put the blame, which was on the trenches. Their offensive line was almost built to be a disaster. Uh, When you think about the, the inexperience, that, that goes from left to right on that unit, you're bringing back a 39-year-old Canton-bound franchise quarterback, and yet you put nothing but children in front of him for the full season. The defensive line, there's, more, there's an excuse to be had. They've had all kinds of injuries and everything. But when you have the Vikings, who had their own issues on the, on the O-line and the D-line, just running at will against you, and the same in the other direction – that's your real problem. I know a lot of people are looking at that final drive and Chase Claypool and even the play at the very end with Pat Fryermuth getting his hands on that football. This all comes down to the trenches. That's what this whole Pittsburgh season has been about. Dan, how will uh, Mike Tomlin handle Chase Claypool, you know, going forward? We've seen him uh, bench him during the game for a little bit, and then he had, obviously, you know, he wanted to celebrate after making the catch. Will that linger past Thursday night's game? Oh, my goodness, yes. And the thing is, is he's tried before. Uh, Claypool's been a, a bit of a problem since he's been here. A lot of people don't know this, but going back before – uh, this season, uh, in a practice, there was a big scrap between him and Minka Fitzpatrick, and a lot of players lined up on Minka's side. And Tomlin has had to deal with this all along. The problem is, though, Emmett, think about that game, the one Thursday night, and what the Steelers had to do to come roaring back to almost have the greatest comeback in franchise history. Ben had to start throwing deep. So if you bench Claypool, some more, who are you really hurting? Are you hurting Claypool or are you hurting the team? They need him. They don't have this long list 
of, of deep threats, and the wide receivers are especially thin with Juju Smith-Schuster out for the year. Talking to Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports following the Steelers' loss on Thursday night. This is game day on ESPN Radio. Uh, Big Ben, you talk about him integral in the comeback, uh, the almost comeback against Minnesota. What is Ben Roethlisberger at this point, and is he good enough to achieve the goals the Steelers have set out for themselves? Oh, Greg, you saw him, man. (laughs) You saw him at his very best. I mean, uh, that was... I'm not sure where that came from. It's been a building a little bit uh, over the course of the past few weeks. But after the game uh, up there in Minneapolis, I asked Ben if he basically found his comfort zone. And he, he downplayed it because he doesn't want to get all sound and happy or whatever after a win. But he said, you know, this is what, what I had to do here. And, uh, and, and that he, he acknowledged feeling good. I mean, you saw the, the quality of the passes. Heck, guys, the best pass he threw the whole game was the very last one. You know, threw three purple jerseys right there into Friar Moose's hands. Uh, that's, that's a guy who looks like he's getting better and stronger and more confident over the course of the season. And, of course, he's also running out of time because he won't be back, and there's only four games left uh, for the Steelers to try to find a way to make it back into the playoffs. So if they don't bring uh, Ben back, then what is the move? Do they, you know, do they go draft-wise? Do they see what Dwayne Haskins has to offer? What are their plans going forward at the quarterback position? Well, technically speaking, the, the, the answer is that Mason Rudolph is the only quarterback signed to a contract for next year. And, and Mason will still be around. He'll still be in the mix. I also believe that the Steelers, particularly Tomlin, will want to go with a veteran at the position. Tomlin especially after this year and dealing with that offensive line and some other rookie issues is going to want to have somebody who knows what he's doing there. I don't believe that they believe that Rudolph is that guy. The Steelers will have more than $70 million in cap space next year, which is very un-Steelers like. So they will be able to have their pick of quarterbacks just by looking at the market. Dayon, there's been a big lack of discipline over the last few years, which is a little surprising given Mike Tomlin, what he's all about. Does Tomlin still have a good hold over this locker room as well as the rest of that coaching staff? I think he has a hold over the locker room. I think he chooses not to exercise it in certain ways. He likes giving players the latitude. He likes treating them like men, to use his term. And he doesn't see a problem with, uh, you know, for example, you know, there was a big fuss here a couple of weeks ago about Claypool saying that he'd like to have music in practice. Well, they actually had music back in training camp when they were doing their stretches and the players were into it. He wants them to reciprocate. He wants them to respond. And when he sees performances like the one in Cincinnati two weeks ago, like this one in Minneapolis in the first half, he's got to start wondering himself if he's not pushing hard enough with some guys and expecting everyone to just instantly become Alan Fanica or, uh, or, or James Ferrier or the guys that he's had in the past, it, it's not going to work that way. Times have changed. Dan, the AFC North is congested. You know, uh, the best way I could describe it right now, who do you think ultimately walks away and wins the AFC North? I know who should win it, and that's Cincinnati. And I don't really understand after seeing the Bengals – uh, handle the Steelers pretty well 
twice now, uh, including here, which is unheard of for that franchise, meaning in Pittsburgh. Uh, I, I believe that they have the talent. I also believe that they're in the infancy of, of doing what they need to do. Uh, and as a result, you'll see them have a big win one week and then get you know, beaten by the New York Jets the next. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow, his offensive line, Joe Mixon, who might be the most underrated, underappreciated running back in the National Football League and the receiver weapons that they have, they should be getting it done. And their defense isn't bad either. Baltimore, you would think, would be in this discussion. I'm sorry, losing Marlon Humphrey, that's got to be the last domino that falls for them. They've just had so, so, so many losses. Talking with Dayan Kovacevic, uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports. He hosts a daily shot of Steelers. And you talk about the lackluster offensive line for Pittsburgh. You talk about uh, just the attrition on defense they've gone through from an injury standpoint. The fact that this is most likely uh, Ben Roethlisberger's final year with the Steelers. Is there patience within the organization, within the coaching staff, within the fan base for Pittsburgh to take a necessary step back? in the future years in order to accelerate forward? Does that patience exist there? No. <laughs> no, this is Pittsburgh. This is Pittsburgh. You don't get, you don't get to where they have uh, and, and do it so consistently by ever adopting that approach. But I'll be more specific. When you just sign T.J. Watt, who might be the best player in the National Football League right now at any position, and he is in the prime of his career, you don't do that and say, you know what, TJ, this is going to take a couple of years. You know, uh, when you have Cam Hayward playing the best football of his life at age 32 and working himself into some defensive player of the year conversations, you don't say we're going to take a step back. Najee Harris is here. Minka Fitzpatrick is here. There are, a lot of players here, there's a lot of talent. What they were missing, what they continue to be missing, is in the trenches, especially on the offensive line. Guys, I feel like if you've got $70 million sitting around in cap space, you can go ahead and get yourself a couple of 330-pound bodies to block for you. You can find a way to do it. You can find a quarterback. I don't believe that any kind of hard reset is in anyone's mind here. Good stuff, Dad. We really appreciate the time. All right, guys. Have a good holiday.